Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their worlds. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. He hates goals, but depends on them anyway. We're talking about goal achievement. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon. Each and every week, we dive into one of the core competencies discussed in The Complete Leader by Ron Price and Randy Lisk. And this podcast is a companion to that book. The podcast definitely stands alone. Thank you for listening. And we definitely encourage you to grab the book to dig deep into each of those core competencies. And today, Ron Price, I'm looking forward to talking to you about goals because (laughs) you said you hate goals, but you depend on them anyway. And I relate to that. (laughs) Dale, thanks for having me. This is going to be a very interesting conversation. (laughs) So this skill, uh, if we're, we're looking at the book, it is under, it's the fifth skill and leaders leading others. We've talked about self-management and personal accountability, flexibility, resiliency, and, and some immediately previous podcasts. Today we're we're finishing up the suite of self-leadership skills, goal achievement. Why did you save this one for last? I think, Dale, it's last because it's in many ways the culmination of the other four skills that we've been working on. A goal is the ability to identify and prioritize activities that are going to get you to an end result. It's the ability to say this is what we're going to do and then get it across the finish line, get it done. And it really is the culmination of your self-management as a leader, your personal accountability, your flexibility and your resiliency. And as we talk through these and I went through the, the laundry list of leaders leading, it sounds a lot like character. Is that the way you see it? Yeah, very interesting because I'm actually working on a new book that's going to be coming out in uh, February of 2018 around three different dimensions of leadership. And one of those that we're going to take a deeper dive into is what is character. And and yeah, in, in some ways, each of these five skills that we've been talking about could also be described as a value that I decide I'm going to aspire to live up to. So, for instance, if we take self-management, it's not that I'm automatically good at self-management. It's a value that I adopt, that I want to live up to organizing and executing my life around priorities, and I want to manage my emotions well. Now I have to develop it as a skill. And so for each one of these, I think of them as both a component of character, which I define as the values by which we choose to govern ourselves. And it's a skill because we have to learn how to do it consistently over time. And so for goal achievement, for me, it's something that doesn't come natural for me. It's contrary to my natural style. And yet I aspire to live according to the value of setting and achieving goals because I think it's a part of what will define me and my character But in order to achieve that, I have to also develop it as a skill. So I think of it as both. Hmm. You know, as we we look at this idea of goal achievement and it's it's self-evident, there are entire self-help cottage industries around this idea of how to set and achieve goals any number of ways. And we've got the acronyms around goals and everything else. But tell us your take on the concept of goal setting. 
Well, I think that there's this cottage industry around how do you set and achieve goals, first of all, because it's so important. It's so fundamental to being a leader who effectively leads yourself is that you make commitments and then you execute on those commitments. Mm. But I also think that it's so popular because for so many of us, it doesn't come naturally. It's something that we have to work at. And so for me, goal setting and achieving goals is driven by external systems to replace what does not come naturally for me internally. Some things for me come very naturally internally. For instance, I love hanging out with people. I love recognizing what people are good at and promoting them or encouraging them or helping to develop them further. Those things I hardly have to work at at all because they're part of my natural talent patterns, part of my natural style and my natural motivation. But setting and achieving goals is, it just doesn't happen on the inside of me. So I need something outside to get me to do it, to get me to be disciplined in that area because I've decided it's that important for me in order for my leadership to be effective. And I think that's true for a lot of people. Matter of fact, I know statistically from looking at population norms that about 60 to 70% of the population around the world that are involved in leadership are more people-oriented than task-oriented. And because goals are primarily task oriented, that means that for 30 or 40% of us, we're going to work harder at being good at this because it doesn't come as natural for us. And the truth is that goals become an important part of our leadership persona, an important part of our leadership reputation very, very early in our career. And as we grow in our career and take on more and more responsibility inside of organizations, the magnitude and the complexity of those goals keeps growing more and more and more. So what I did to set and achieve goals 20, 30, 40 years ago doesn't work for me today. I have to keep reinventing. I have to keep rediscovering, developing new skills and goal achievement in order to keep pace with the new opportunities that come my way. Give me some ex- examples of what that looks like when you say that the what you did 20, 30 years ago when it came to comes to goal achievement is not what you're doing today. For me, when I started out as a leader, I had a very, very small sphere of influence as a leader. I was primarily responsible for running one part of a company that my dad and I owned together. And most of my goal setting and goal achievement was just stuff that I said I'm going to do. And then I needed to be accountable to myself to go ahead and get it done. As my opportunities grew and my leadership grew, eventually I had to not just set goals related to me, but I had to set goals that other people were going to be involved with achieving as well. And I had to guide them and help them in setting goals. So it certainly, it it quickly became much more complex. And then eventually I became responsible for organizations that had leadership teams in eight different, uh, one organization in particular, leadership teams in eight different countries, We were managing resources in eight different currencies. We had a lot of moving parts and departments and marketplaces and products. And now goal setting and goal achievement took on much more of a strategic air to it in that the decisions that I was making and the goals that we were committing ourselves to were much more complex and the implications of achieving or failing to achieve those goals were much more dramatic and had an impact on many, many more lives. So the risk reward became much greater. The complexity became much greater. And I really had to get much, much more competent in the way that I thought about, set, 
and went about achieving those goals. Mm. So let's talk about how to grow goal achievement as a skill. Great. So I'm going to give a series of questions and it may require that our listeners go back and re-listen to the podcast because I don't want to take the time for everybody to write these down as I share them. But it begins with how do you set a good goal? And so here's some things to consider in what defines a good goal. First, ask yourself who will benefit from achieving this goal? What's the payback? Is it worth your attention and commitment? Is it big enough that it it is worth you giving the one resource that you can't multiply or that you can't add to your time, your energy to it? The third question, how's it going to create new opportunities in the future? Is this a goal that if you achieve it will open up another series of possibilities for you? Or is it sort of a dead end goal? Another question, will others be motivated and inspired to be a part of this, to come come alongside of you and to help you with this goal? And is this goal well connected to your mission or your vision of where you're going in the future or your values that you aspire to and how you want to function as an individual or a team or an organization? So these are questions that all help you in considering whether or not this is a worthy goal that I should be committing myself to. Here's another set of questions, Dale, that could help you in determining whether this is the right goal for you to invest yourself in. So first, what benefits am I going to experience as a result? Where's this goal going to take me? What new skills will I need to develop along the way? Because I think the best goals make you a better leader, make you a better person as a consequence of what you've learned pursuing that goal. Another question would be, what obstacles do I think I'm going to run into? And how will I overcome them? You know, obstacles that we run into, if you've thought about them ahead of time and you've anticipated them, you can eliminate about 90% of the frustration or the angst or the worry if you anticipated the obstacle in advance and you already thought about how to overcome it. And that other 10% or 15 or 20% of obstacles that you couldn't anticipate, you'll have a lot more energy, a lot more focus that you can give to those if you'd already planned for most of the obstacles that you're going to run into. So what obstacles do I think I'll run into? The next question, who else will I need help from in order to achieve this goal? This is one of the most important questions I've learned for me to get better at achieving goals is to make sure that I understand who else is going to need to help me. That for me, goal achievement's no longer a one-man band. It's no longer a solo activity. It's always a collaborative opportunity for me. And then how's this goal going to help or hinder other goals or priorities that I have? Is it, is it aligned? Is it blended with more important things that I'm also working on? Another question, what milestones along the way could I set that will help me to evaluate how I'm doing, what the early indicators are of my success or where I may be running up against a big obstacle that I need to spend more time and attention on. And then the last question in thinking about the the quality of a goal is uh, how might I measure the results? How might I measure the success of this goal? Are there tangible ways that I can say, wow, that, that was really a great goal for me to set because of these metrics, because of these measurements? And admittedly, there's always going to be an intangible reward associated with achieving a goal, but there should be very tangible, measurable rewards as well. Let's dissect the psychology behind those questions that you just asked. And I, you know, I think of inspiration is being external motivation is internal and so many of those questions deal with building that internal motivation for those especially those of us who hate goals but depend on them anyway 
Yeah, I, I love, first of all, that you explained that inspiration is external, motivation is internal. One of the very common requests that we get from people when they're first getting to know about what we do is, can you come and motivate my team? And I don't want to be um, rude or I don't want to be unkind, but in my head I'm saying, no, I can't motivate your team. If I'm lucky, we might be able to inspire them, but motivation always comes from within. Think about the word that it comes from, the word motive. That means it has to start from the inside and work out. And so as a part of achieving a goal, it's important that you not just have a logical reason why you're achieving that goal, but that you have stirred up, that you've activated this internal motivation, this internal emotion. Napoleon Hill, one of the great American students of of achievement, of high achievement, said that in his experience interviewing successful leaders, one of the things he discovered is that until motivation joins with logic, nothing's going to get done. So it's not just about engineering a goal. It's about activating that goal through your emotional commitment to it. And a lot of these questions we've talked about, that's what their purpose is, is to give you a strong reason why you want to commit to that goal, not just logical, but to activate that emotion as well. That's going to be so important for you to get across the finish line. Now let's we've we've established that reason why we we need to accomplish the goal. Let's look at the right way to craft the goal and what does that look like? Yeah, well again, there's an acronym we use and you referred to it earlier as part of the cottage industry around goals. And I would say acronyms are like models. A statistician George Box years ago said that all models are wrong and some are useful. So this is an acronym that is often useful, but you don't hold to it literally in every instance in order to be successful with a goal. You use it to the extent that it's helpful and then set it aside if it ceases to be beneficial. So the acronym I'm speaking about is to create a SMART goal. And those letters in the word SMART all represent part of how you make sure that you've got a goal that has this ability to have clarity and to also have emotion behind it. So first of all, the the letter S stands for specific. Is the goal specific? Am I just talking in vague generalities? Is it ambiguous or is it very specific what I say I'm committing myself to do? Secondly, is it measurable? The letter M, are there ways I'm going to be able to measure that I have in fact accomplished this goal? If I can't put some kind of a measurement to it, it's gonna be harder to maintain the kind of energy and focus that's necessary to get that goal across the finish line. Number three, the letter A, is it achievable? Is it realistic? I I think in the work I do with executives, I'm often asking them, do you have an 80% chance or better of achieving this goal? Now, I'm not against what Jim Collins referred to as big, hairy, audacious goals in his book, Built to Last. He called them BHAGs for big, hairy, audacious. I'm not against those, but they're not really smart. They're visionary. They may be inspiring, but in order to actually accomplish something, you've got to then break those down into smart where you are taking steps or you're having sub goals that are achievable. And I think 80% or better is the thing to aim for because it's still challenging. It's not so boring or it's not so easy that you're not going to have to pay attention to it, that you're not going to have to think about behaving in a different way in order to get there. But it's not so challenging that you don't have real confidence that you can get there and that you're going to give up too soon. So that's achievable. The next letter R stands for relevant. 
is this goal relevant? Meaning, is it com- is it connected to? Is it aligned with your bigger purpose, your bigger vision, your bigger strategies of where you want to go? Or are you getting yourself off on a tangent that you're not going to care about three years from now? And then the last letter T stands for is it time bound? In other words, do you have clear deadlines? Now, I realize sometimes you have to renegotiate the deadlines because of circumstances that came up that you didn't know about, and you do have to recognize the need for flexibility. But sometimes we renegotiate deadlines just because we didn't maintain focus, because we didn't apply enough energy, because we didn't we weren't accountable enough. So the purpose of deadlines is to bring more accountability to the process, and it's a really important part to a goal truly being smart. I'm thinking about myself personally, the goals that I've set and I didn't, I didn't accomplish them. I I say, it's hard to say, but yeah, I failed in doing it. So what if, what about those times and and what's the impact of those times where we set the goal and then it, it makes us rethink whether we want to set a goal again? Yeah, it's sort of like me too, Dale. (laughs) I have to confess, it was probably 1970 or 1971 that I set my first set of business goals of what I wanted to accomplish in business. And here we are all these years later, and I can tell you that even though I've developed more skills, goals are still hard for me. It's why I said I hate them, but I use them anyway, because without them, I know that I would perform at such a lower level. So once you've set a good goal, once you've set a smart goal, now the question is, how do I focus? How do I keep it in front of me? How do I make sure that every week I'm advancing it in some way? And it's going to vary from person to person, but what ha- what I've discovered over the last 10 years or so works really well for me is I first start with what do I want to accomplish over the next year? And I do this on a calendar basis, but it doesn't have to be. It's just that that's what works best for me. So at the beginning of each year, I have a set of clear results that I say are going to reflect superior performance in my work in the coming year. And I have a bias where I limit myself to not having too many because one of the things I've discovered is that the more you have, the less likely you are to achieve them. You just get too distracted and diluted and you give up and you, it's sort of like New Year's resolutions that just disappear because they're too hard. So I limit myself to no more than five key results in my business that I want to achieve in the next year. And then for the next quarter, I create goals for each of those five results. I try to have four or five goals under each one of those key results for the next quarter. And I set an appointment with myself every Friday afternoon. I put it in my calendar, review goals based on key results. And I go in and I look at what those goals were and what did I accomplish this week and what am I going to accomplish next week in order to achieve this 90-day goal. As I move through that quarter, I do, I have a a monthly more formal review where I write down, this is what I got accomplished. This is what I'm going to do the next 30 days. And I'm mapping my progress as I go, both to be accountable and to help to reignite my motivation to achieve those goals. And I color code those goals as I move through the 90 days, the ones that I haven't done anything on. I haven't done anything yet on throughout the 90 day period. They are color coded red. So the box, I just use a simple Excel red sheet, but the box is filled in with red. If I've made some progress, but I haven't completed that quarterly goal yet, I color code it yellow. And if I have achieved that goal and I'm ready to move on, I color code it green. 
So every week when I look at that spreadsheet that has my 20 to 25 goals for that quarter, I see the reds, the yellows, and the greens. And what do you think the reds do to me? Drive you crazy. Yeah, and I do not want to get to the end of 90 days and have any red on that chart. I want to have everything yellow or green. My goal is that 80% of them are green and the other 20% are yellow. Now, I told you I've been doing this for for over 10 years. One of the great ahas for me was the first two years I did it. I was tracking how many of these goals that I achieved on a quarterly basis throughout the entire year. And one of my key results for the entire year, I only achieved 60% of the goals that I set for that particular area of excellence or superior performance. So I could fire myself. Well, I'm not going to do that. I own my company. Second thing, I could decide this isn't really that important. I'm going to throw it away. It's no longer going to be one of my high level goals or key results that reflect superior performance. And I thought, I can't do that. This really is important. The reason I'm not getting it done isn't because it's not important. There's something else getting in the way. So then the third thing I said was, I have to relook at why I'm not achieving this goal and not beat myself up, not say that I have to have a better attitude or I have to work harder. I have to get more radical. I have to get to the root cause of why I'm not achieving this goal. And I studied it. I thought about it. I looked at different possibilities. And for this particular key result, I concluded that my biggest error, my biggest fault was I was trying to do it on my own that I was never going to be successful achieving this key result until I had a team working on it together. So for the next year, I reorganized and I said, this is a team goal, not an individual goal. And I built the team around me and I told them that we're going to achieve this goal together and I need you in order for me to achieve it. And that third year, I hit a home run. Mm. I hit it out of the park. I hit 100%. And I've been able to achieve that key result as it redefines itself or reinvents itself every year since. Because instead of beating myself up, I asked myself, what is it that's getting in the way? And I innovated around that particular key result so that it could become one of my greatest accomplishments in the year since. So let's dive in. What are those practical steps to grow our goal achievement skills? Great. So first of all, goals are achieved through habits. The goal setting, okay, some people like it, some people don't. But once you've got the goal, you're going to achieve that goal based on what kind of habits you build. And an American psychologist back in the early 1900s said it as well as anybody has ever said it since. His name was William James. He said to establish a new habit, you need to do three things. He said, first of all, you have to start right away. If you procrastinate, you greatly increase the odds that you will never build a new habit. Number two, he said, you need to start it with great force. Now, in the early 1900s, when he said this, we didn't have rockets yet. But today, rockets are such a great example of this. You know, when a rocket blasts off to get into orbit, it spends about 85% of its fuel to get into orbit. Once it's out there in orbit around the Earth, it doesn't take much energy at all to keep orbiting. But you have to spend a lot of force to get the thing started. So he said, you've got to put a lot of emotion behind it in the beginning in order to get that new habit started. And the third thing he said, number one, you do it immediately. Number two, do it with great force. And the third thing he said is that you cannot allow an exception to occur around that new habit until it has become firmly entrenched. 
What that means to me is that it has to be so routine. You have to have learned how to do it almost automatically so that it's harder not to do it than it is to do it. So this to me has been one of the great secrets to goal achievement is create those new habits that you know are going to help you achieve the goals. That's number one. Number two, think about and write goals in the important areas of your life. They're personal, they're professional. So think about what goals you want to set around your wellness or around your family or maybe your vacations or your finances or whatever those personal goals might be. Think about what goals you want to set around elevating your performance or preparing for a promotion or developing stronger leadership skills. Think about those things and then write goals and then pick one of those areas and decide that you're going to focus on that one area for the next 90 days because if you focus on all of them you are greatly increasing the chance for failure instead focus on one area say for the next 90 days I'm going to work on this one and if you didn't do that well extend it another 90 days keep working at it until you can claim victory and you know that you've established a new routine a new habit that will be easier for you to keep doing than it is to stop doing So the next thing that I recommend is schedule in your appointment calendar, like I do, reviews of your goals and what progress you're making and take the time to reflect and analyze why isn't it working. Don't just think about beating yourself up or patting yourself on the back. Think about always learning and getting better because of what you learn about your relationship to goals. And the last practical piece of information I'll give you, which is really valuable, is get other people to help you. You might share your goals with somebody and ask them as a peer coach to ask you once a month or every other week or maybe even every week, how are you doing with this goal or this goal? The more that you make those goals transparent and you create an environment of accountability with people who care about you and care about your success, the greater internal strength you will develop to follow through and actually cross the finish line achieving that goal. Great words of inspiring advice. Ron Price, co-author of The Complete Leader, thank you so much. As we wrap up this core competency of goal achievement from The Complete Leader. This is The Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to The Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org. 